We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, Brad, they said we wouldn't make it to another game week, but we are going to make it here on the Yin's No Ball podcast. I'm John Ledger. Brad Spielberger is with me, and we are going to talk Steelers-Ravens. It it seems bleak. It doesn't seem like this is a very hopeful endeavor. But look, this is when the Mike Tomlin teams rise up, Brad, so I'm kind of excited about this game on Sunday. Yeah, you had Najee Harris coming out saying, you know, that they're playing soft. Stop blaming the coaches. We're playing soft <laughs> and, and we don't podcast soft either. We bring the heat and uh, we're going to we're going to battle through the best rivalry in football. Uh, big game in Pittsburgh this weekend. Yeah, we've got an interesting conversation already recorded with Kyrie Thompson, uh, who is a Ravens podcast host. And so we kind of went back and forth, did a little crossover element. So you're going to hear most of this podcast is that. Uh, but just to kick off before we transition to that segment uh, which you'll hear us get to in a little bit um we wanted to start doing this for our preview podcast and we didn't want to do this with Kyrie necessarily but we wanted to start uh, like for these preview things yeah we're gonna talk about the game and all those things we also want to make these a little more fun and engaging too so we wanted to do like a draft of both teams rosters and we're not going to do every player on every team we're only going to do like basically top 10 picks for each of us so it'll be 20 total players basically we'll see how long that takes as we may cut that down in the future but we're only going to go with players that we know are healthy for the game too. So that's where it gets tricky. So it is very, it's not like an overall state of the roster thing. It is very conducive to kind of the upcoming game. Like we're going to kind of orient it to that game. So if you haven't been ruled out though, you're still fair game. And I think Dan Moore has been ruled out. Not that anybody was going to take him, but James Daniels is still on the table, but Deontay Johnson, Cam Hayward, those kind of guys, they're, they're going to be ruled out. Pat Fryermuth, who's been, I think he's technically doubtful, but Tomlin said he's basically not going to play. So um, those kind of guys will be ruled out for this. So for the Ravens, Ronnie Stanley has a chance to play. Morgan Moses has a chance to play. So as long as you have a chance to play, you're still in the draft here as we go about it. So first pick, you want, are we doing rock, paper, scissors for this thing? Let's do a quick rock, paper, scissors. One, Just one, <laughs> one good. entry, rock, paper, scissors. All right, here we shoot. go. All right. All right, here we go. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, well, I went early. Oh, we, all right, scissors, one more time. <laughs> rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, I went scissors again and got the I got the paper. So Brad, Back to you scissors. get to pick first. I will take in this game, in this pick. matchup. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, we're not doing quarterbacks. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, no quarterbacks. No quarter. Right. Yeah. Right. That'll be a year-long exclusion, you know, for no particular reason. We'll just, <laughs> we just won't include quarterbacks. Uh all right. I, I will take in this matchup. I'll take TJ Watt first overall in, in this matchup. Yeah, that feels like the obvious pick. Like I, I, I think the Ravens roster is good, but I don't know that I'd see anyone in there that I would take to that degree, like over TJ yeah. Watt, I feel like. Uh let me see here. Okay. Second pick in this draft. Watt's definitely the best player. Yeah. Mm, I'm I'm think I'm gonna take Minka Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Okay, I respect I'm it. I'm taking Micah Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I think he's no. – so two Steelers to start things off. This is two Steelers to start things off. I think this is a good microcosmos matchup, though, you know, as yeah. we get into a little bit later with the matchups and stuff like that. Like, there are also just, like, gaping holes in Pittsburgh that I don't think really exist in Baltimore. So, yeah, yeah the, star, the star power might actually be better in Pittsburgh, even with some injuries to key players. But then there's just, like, there's these massive deficiencies, you know, secondary, offensive line, whatever. So, anyway – uh, two, two Pittsburgh Steelers to start. That leaves me with, I thought you were going to take one of these two Ravens. I'll go with one. Uh, my old pal, Roquan Smith of the Chicago Bears, uh, off-ball linebacker, currently PFF's highest-graded uh, linebacker in the league. But you watch him play right now. I mean, he is 
I think elements of his game that I didn't see in Chicago too, where he's like shedding blocks better. I think he's playing faster and more confidently. I think he loves the combination of him and Patrick Queen. He's always been a very, very good player in coverage, but that is continuing, you know, against tight ends, against running backs. He can make those plays. He's been playing with his hair on fire so far this year. Okay, so you've got TJ Watt and Roquan Smith. Keep yeah. track of this everywhere. I've got Mega Fitzpatrick. And with my second pick, I think I'm going to go with Mark Andrews here. And I was tempted to go a couple different directions. Um, but to me, he feels like the next best player, even if you can squibble about importance of position. I think Mark Andrews, although he may not have like one transcendent trait um, that makes him like in the top tier of tight ends of all time. But to me, he's like in that safely in a second group because there's nothing he really does poorly. And just the fact that he can be the blocker that he is and be capable enough in the Raven schemes to continue to be productive. Um, obviously a dominant red zone threat. Uh, he can do things after the catch. Like there's really no weakness to his game either. It's kind of like a good microcosm of the Ravens roster in general, I feel like right now. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm a big Andrews fan. I'm going to take him next. I respect it. I respect it. That's that was the other Raven I was between uh, okay. when I was talking. Yeah, so I figured you're on the same way. page so far. Yeah, on the same page. I think there is kind of a, a drop off here. It gets maybe into your preferred preference. I'll, I'll go with the young stud in Baltimore. Uh, stay on the defensive side of the football. Shocker! This Raven Steelers uh, matchup. We're picking a lot of defensive players, but I need a guy in the secondary, and I'm taking Kyle Hamilton, the first round mm-hmm. pick from last year. Um, I mean, one of the more versatile safeties in the entire NFL was basically their slot corner for the the second half of last season. Had three sacks in a game earlier this season as well. Uh, just screaming off the edge, like disguised it well, timed it well with the snap and and was able to kind of, um, you know, confuse the opposing offensive line. It wasn't just like unblocked blitzing. Um, you know, it was also his nuance there, but a good coverage player, a good ball hawk in the back end, uh, pursuit tackles, like the guy does not quit on a snap. He's a very, very fun player. I'll go, I'll go Kyle Hamilton. Good pick. I am very... And like, I need to like study Kyle Hamilton. Like what exactly, like people thought he'd be a single high rangey free safety, like ball Hawk, seven picks next to Earl Thomas, you know, maybe not same physical or athletic makeup, but like that kind of production, like, you know, that kind of a player. And he's really been kind of like a Jack of all trades, Swiss army knife type of player instead, which is pretty interesting. Um, because I don't think if I'm remembering correctly, he was like barely in man coverage in his career at Notre Dame. And Notre Dame, no, I, I, I'm yeah. with you. But, I mean, 6'4", 220, and I think, yeah. you know, they just they play a ton of three safeties in Baltimore, too, so mm-hmm. they move them around. Like, yeah, it's it's a good point, though. That was, you didn't remember that from watching tape at Notre Dame. He's like a very – he's like the rare case where a player is totally different in the NFL than you kind of thought he would be in his position, but also still really good. It's like yeah. a very – he's a very interesting player. Remember, he was the number one play, player on a lot of people's boards, and I, I was probably too high, but he, he was pretty high on my board, and I'm – yeah, I, I didn't necessarily see this exact role, but he's he's thriving in it. So um, with the perfect defensive coordinator for him, too, I'll, I'll add yep. that. Man, there's a time where Marlon Humphrey or Ronnie Stanley would have been maybe already picked for me or off the board. They're just not quite the same players anymore, and, and you just never know when Stanley's going to be out there. Humphrey has kind of been similar, and both of them, to me, have just kind of – like they could be really good still if they were able to stay on the field consistently. You just – don't quite know what you're getting with Ronnie Stanley. Like he's been a very good player still when he's been healthy, but the, the injuries and then when he's played, he's, I feel like he's just been good. He hasn't been like at one point, I felt like he was in the conversation for being one of the best left tackles in the league. And now I feel like he's probably a notch below that. So I'm actually going to go with Alex Highsmith here, which maybe that's controversial to some, but I just feel like he's such a good, consistent all around player. And I'm a big fan of a guy who can kind of get his against anybody. In fact, this is going to be a a funny controversial take. Obviously, TJ Watt is a better player, but I wish some ways that Watt would develop like Highsmith's – like Watt has a very specific way he wants to win as a rusher, and it's unbelievable that he wins that way as often as he does. But he is kind of a face-up rusher. Like He doesn't really want to spin. He's a little bit reticent at times to go with an inside counter move, even though it's going to be there for him. Guys who stop him typically overset on him. And I wish sometimes that he were just like more comfortable going inside. But he's had so much success as a pure edge guy, obviously, that like winning that edge and, and being able to run through contact at the top of the arc, that he's kind of hesitant to do that just as he's hesitant to play on a different side of the line of scrimmage ever. Like he only wants to play on the left side and he, like, so he hardly ever moves around compared to the other top edge rushers in the league. So he isn't really able to hunt matchups or anything like that um, or get schemed production for the most part. And so 
that's amazing he's been able to produce as well as he has despite that. But for Highsmith, I just think he's such a technical all-around player. Like he will try every single rush move. He's got everything in his bag. You see cross chops and double swipes and swim moves and spin moves and and just the fact that he has such a deep arsenal of moves, I mean, it's I put it up there with anybody in the league. Now, he's not the athlete Watt is. He's not as explosive as Watt is, for sure. If he were, like, I think we'd be talking about a tier one edge guy because the bag is so deep. But that will hold him back, I think. But I just, I just love him as a player, and I'd gladly take him. This is the sixth pick here, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to take him there. Yeah, no, I think it's a good pick. And I think it is interesting you mentioned just because this is the Ravens game. You're going to see defensive linemen lining up, mugging A-gaps, uh, standing up. You're going to see them. Mm-hmm. You're going to see, like, Michael Pierce has, like, a seven-tech. Like, you're going to see everything you could possibly imagine, just like Cleveland a couple weeks ago. I mean, these guys are going to be all over the place, um, and it's been very effective. They, they really put uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson in a bind last week. I was watching that film. I forget who it was. Clowney had a couple snaps uh, on the inside. I don't know if it was Michael Pierce, who's like a true nose tackle, but you had like, um, you know, some of their various interior defensive lines. Justin Metabike is a good young player. Uh, mm-hmm. He was kicking out to five tech over tackles, doing different things. So it's going to be very exotic from, from McDonald. So this is where it, you mentioned like Marlon Humphrey and Ronnie Stanley are tough. I think I'm just going to stay young here. And it's obviously extremely early on in his career. Mm-hmm. Um but Zay Flowers is a dog. I mean, the guy is an absolute dog. He has, I talked about this in our show coming up later, seven missed tackles, four some receptions, top 10 in the NFL, but he also can win downfield. He has six receptions of 15 plus yards already. They line him up all over the place, pre-snap motion. He's he's in the backfield, he's in the slot, he's out wide. They, they, they are comfortable doing everything with him. And I think he's only going to get better once you get Rashad Bateman and Odell Beckham Jr. commanding some more attention. I think he's going to produce even more going forward. Interesting. You took Zay Flowers over the guy I'm going to take, George Pickens, I'll take here. I Yeah, it's hard. Flowers' separation thing and the post-catch stuff, it's so valuable. I had some concerns about him as like a route runner coming out of college. Like just felt like he was pretty raw player and more of like a gadget guy. And I, I we're going to talk to Kyrie Thompson here in a little bit. He's very high on Zay. And I'm just curious. Like I, he is unbelievable. Like he can obviously make that splash play at any time. I'm very curious to see what he looks like if he's like the top option, like down to down consistency, all of those kind of things. But the early returns are certainly very favorable for him and very exciting. I'll go with Pickens. I still think, you know, I know I I said on the last podcast and tweeted out recently that he's 0 for 8 this year in contested catch situations. To me, those things are a little bit fickle, and I think he's going to come back around and have some nice contested catches as the year goes on. But overall, I just think when you watch tape, like when he's engaged and trying, like he can get open. He can get open on variety routes. He can make plays after the catch. He is not a, a, a dud there in any way. In fact, I think he's pretty talented after the catch. Just gets there. The offense is so bad for his skill set and so non conducive to like what he does well, especially as how much of a vertical playmaker he is. Even last year when they were bad, he was given opportunities on nine routes. How many nine routes have they had Pickens run this year? How many times has he gotten a shot down the field this year? It's pretty ridiculous, like how terrible this fit is for him. And so I think he's a really good all-around player. So for my hypothetical team that would use him perfectly, uh, I would pick Pickens here with the eighth pick. So you got the ninth pick, you're up. Yep, I'm going – now I'm kind of going more to the well of just very good players, less upside. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be the guy we're going to see battling T.J. Watt for this entire game. Uh, we think uh, Morgan Moses, the right tackle for the Baltimore Ravens, been around for about a decade now, uh, came up with the Washington Commanders, quick stop with the Jets, and then gets to Baltimore last year. Uh, PFF had him with an 80, 81 run block grade, a 75 pass block grade. He is once again earning a run block grade above 80 and a pass block grade above 75. He's also just remarkably consistent. He's never graded below 60 in either facet his entire career. Um, he's just a very, very good all-around football player. You can, I think, beat him with, with finesse and with, with bend around the edge. He's more of a power guy. Um, mm. But I think... You know, the athlete he is in space and his ability to pull and lead block and do things off right tackle. They, they run a ton with Justice Hill and, and all those guys off the right side because him and Kevin Zeitler, another, you know, journeyman, wily, good veteran player, um, have been really blowing people up on that right side of the offensive line. So I'll, I'll go with Morgan Moses. Mm, good pick. Took him over Ronnie Stanley. That's interesting. I will... Yeah. We're going you know, right now. I don't know what As of right, like, as of yeah. right this moment, who you want to play in a game Sunday? That, I think that should be our caveat here. It's like you're, you're suiting okay. up in three days. Who do you want? Yeah, obviously with the unknown, like I don't know fully 
the health status of Marlon Humphrey or, or some of these guys or, you know, yeah. even a Marcus Williams or, but I, this is interesting. I, I think I'm going to go with Ronnie Stanley here, but yeah, given the caveat you just mentioned, which is an important one, I don't even know if he's going to play. He did practice in full on Wednesday. So that was, that's encouraging. I do think he's probably trying in the right direction and he'll for sure be back soon. Cause he's not an IR. So I'll go with Ronnie Stanley just because I still think this is a really good left tackle. Like when he, when he's healthy, when he's out there, um, also even when he's out there, like I, I know, I don't know if he's hundred percent or has been hundred percent since all the injuries started piling up, but when he's out there, he's still able to kind of like Bakhtiari, right? Like Bakhtiari's, you never know when he's playing, when he's not, but when he's playing, he's pretty good. Like I just, his body just can't hold up maybe. And so that might be where we're at with Stanley, but right now I'm still, still going to take him here. I think. So we each have five on our team, five more to go. This is where it's going to start getting fun. Uh, you've got TJ Watt, Roquan Smith, Kyle Hamilton, Zay Flowers, and Morgan Moses. I've got Minka, Mark Andrews, Alex Highsmith, George Pickens, Ronnie Stanley. Your pick. There you go. Yeah, so you just mentioned this guy. Um, safety Marcus Williams, who did play in week one, hasn't played since. But I think he was on – like he, he was expected to maybe go on IR, did not do that. And I was maybe going to play in week four, did not, but I think he is going to suit up for this game. Hopefully, I'm not wrong that it might dis- disqualify me. But look, no, I, think right. he's, I think well, some people view at least him he a little practiced less. The other day, you know. There you go. There you go. Beautiful, beautiful. I, I think some people view him a little bit less valuable. He is kind of your your classic deep third, single high safety. But you know, so he doesn't mix in mix in as much down in the run game. He doesn't do some things. You know, he'll make tackles. He's certainly a willing tackler and a good tackler. But he's not like making plays near the line of scrimmage all that often. But he's just. He's again an assignment sound player who I think is very cerebral. Always knows, always knows where he's supposed to be, and I do think makes plays um, and, and is willing to get dirty when, when it's asked of him. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll go Marcus Williams. Hmm. Man, good pick. He was on my. It was he or Marlon Humphrey for me next. So I'll take Humphrey again when he's healthy. I still think he's a good quality corner. Maybe not quite the star we thought early in his career he was going to be, but definitely a good player. So feel really comfortable taking him there. That brings it back to you for your seventh pick. Yeah, so I'm taking a Pittsburgh Steelers offensive lineman. I'm going with the veterans on the Whoa. O-line. You know, I'm taking a little Isaac Sayomalo here. Uh, you know, I guess I'm also kind of building out a roster in my mind as well. So I got my right tackle. Now I'm going to get my left guard. <laughs> Look, <laughs> I didn't think know, about it that way. Yeah, you, know, you got to have the boys. You know, it's all about team chemistry. So, uh, look, <laughs> you can play all three interior positions. I don't know if you want him at center, but he can do it. can play both guard spots very effectively. You know, he's good in a gap scheme. He's physical. He's he's a big guy, but also nimble enough to move, to pull, to do all those things. Um, yeah, just, just a good football player. Well, that's it for the players I like. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. No, Siamalu, definitely the best uh, on Pittsburgh's offensive line for sure. Obviously, as you mentioned, Fryermuth, Deontay Johnson, Cam Hayward, not necessarily a part of this, um, given their injury status. I'm out of surprise a little bit here, and I'm going to go with Keanu Benton. I know it's only been flashes, and like you said, it's really early, but I love it, and you know me. I love building on the lines, and so I- I'm going to go with Keanu Benton here. I just think – what he's shown to be a three down guy at his size that could probably play anywhere from being a five tech or being a four eye all the way to being a nose and not come off the field. That's a very valuable type of player to me. I see him as potentially being a Derek Brown type of player, Kenny Clark type of player moving forward, like somebody who can move around if you need him to can stay on the field, all three downs, but has the power and size to be able to hold up against any scheme like there's a lot of value in a player like that. And obviously I overthought him a bit in my evaluation coming out of college, I think, cause I wasn't quite this high on him, but uh, he's won me over with his play so far. Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to ask you, cause you mentioned, you know, you thought he played high. I feel like his, like he's been playing at a much better, you know, like pad level mm-hmm. that I've watched. And he's like, I mean, the torque on his cat, like, I mean, he's like vertical or uh, like yeah. perpendicular or parallel, whatever I'm trying to say. Uh, I don't know, so you're, I'm not going to correct you because I don't. Yeah, uh, it's par- <laughs> like his shins are parallel to the ground on some yeah. of these rushes. He's getting really low and using his leverage and using his lower body. You know, I know he had the story. He's like what a former wrestler or whatever or whatever that was. Mm-hmm. So he has a different background. I think you're starting to see that put into action. Uh, I love that pick. It is getting tough now for sure. It's either you're going with a guy that you're like, yeah, you know, he's, he's got some football left in him, uh, mm-hmm. but I don't know how much, or you're going. Uh, you know, purely on just upside. I'll go, I'll get a little weird with it. Here we go. Uh, I have no respect for kickers. I'm always mean to kickers, but Justin Tucker is the greatest kicker to ever wow. do. I mean, the guy, the guy is a difference maker. He is the goat kicker. Why not get him in the, in the eighth round here? 
Look, I'm going to match you with a kicker myself. Chris Boswell is one of the best kickers in the league and has been one of the best kickers for a long time. He's probably one of the few people. If Tucker's in a tier by himself at the top, then Boswell's in the next tier, whatever it is. He is outstanding. He's actually, I mean, imagine how bad the Steelers' offense of production would be if Boswell, they didn't have somebody as reliable as Boswell over the last couple of years. I mean, that has been critical for them. So I'm going, I'll go Chris Boswell here. Back to you. Kickers are off the board. It's getting hot in here. Well, us off the board. There's still two rounds to go. I'm not sure what that says about us. What it says We're about pulling a Jason Light. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there. Oh, okay. A little Roberto Aguayo shot there. <laughs> yeah. See, it gets interesting now too, because obviously injuries are a factor. Um, hmm, where am I going here? All right, I'll go this with an tricky. unsung guy. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying this is tricky. I, yeah, it is. Go for it. I don't know. It's yeah, your yeah. guy. <laughs> Yeah, let, let, let me cook. Let me cook. I'm going with a, an unsung guy, not off to the best start this season, um, but a good interior defender. Signed an extension this past offseason with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, that is Broderick Washington, uh, former fifth-round pick out of Texas Tech back in, I want to say, 2020. Um, look, not a flashy player. Guy that's not going to play, you know, play 25 snaps a game, um, but but can can clog up gaps, can, can two-gap, can take on blocks. Um, and clear all the congestion up for the linebackers behind him. I think he's a big part of why, you know, Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen probably should have picked him, um, have been teeing off this year. Uh, Underrated guy, Broderick Washington. Wow. I didn't see that pick coming at all. (laughs) Like, if you would have asked me who is least likely to get picked out of these teams starting lineups, I might have said him, and that's probably ignorance on my part. I have not watched. Like, I remember him coming out of college. I remember he went to Texas Tech. I knew he was on the Ravens, but I had not watched him like that. So that is very interesting to me. I did not see that coming. I'm thrown. I need to gather myself here. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, you mentioned Patrick Queen. That's tempting for me, but ultimately I just feel like if I don't have Roquan Smith, I'm not sure he's good. Still, I want to believe. I loved him coming out of college. Maybe I should believe. I. Oh, that was a tough one for me. Um, hmm. Do I have a better Ooh. option, though, somewhere right now? You know, I think he's only played. Was he missed a couple games here? Is he healthy for this week? Is Linderbaum back? Yeah, he's playing. Played he last week. Back last week, right? So yeah, yeah. Yep. I, I'll I'll take Ty Linderbaum. It was a pretty good start for him as a rookie. I feel like I I wasn't like a massive believer coming out of college, but I feel like at this point in the draft, I'll I'll take him. I'll leave Patrick Queen for you. Big. I'm actually I'll leave Patrick Queen back for you. I'm gonna <laughs> add some more beef on the interior. I probably should, I should have taken Larry Ogajobi before I took Broderick Washington. Uh, I, I already do think uh, Keanu Benton might be a better football player, but look, a, a good pass rusher on the interior, a good three tech, um, you know, not, not an exceptional football player, but I think, you know, bringing him back made, made a whole lot of sense. It was a good one year deal to bring him in. You know, he's going to get you a couple pressures a game and uh, I'm just trying to, you know, get the pass rush beefed up. All right. So that's your last pick. So your roster is TJ Watt, Roquan Smith, Kyle Hamilton, Zay Flowers, Morgan Moses, Marcus Williams, Isaac Ciamalo, Justin Tucker, and Broderick Washington. Oh, and Larry Ogunjobi. So those 10 for you. Got a lot of defensive players in there. Oh, yeah. You're, you're beefy. It's a beefy team, and then you got Justin Tucker. Uh, okay, I've got Minka Fitzpatrick, Mark Andrews, Alex Highsmith, George Pickens, Ronnie Stanley, Marlon Humphrey, Keanu Benton, Chris Boswell, Tyler Linderbaum. And I actually thought about Kevin Zeitler here because I still think yeah. he's a heck of a player. The age, I mean, he's still really good. Like, I could definitely take him here and feel good. Could always go like Odell Beckham Jr. He's going to yeah. figure it out again and, and take that that swing. Um, but I think, hmm, shoot, I think I'm going to go Patrick Queen. I think too good. Of a, he's still still a good player and the upside. You know, he could finally. I mean, he's been good basically since they got Roquan Smith, right? So. That might be tied together, but hey, look, I know I don't have Roquan, but we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll get another stud linebacker in here at free agency. <laughs> yeah, that was a strong second half there for you. I think uh, I felt good out of the gate, and then I think I let it slip away there, maybe at the end there. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, no. Queen's, Queen's good. Good pick. No, it was, it was yeah. a good draft. It was a good draft. I got, I got spunky with it, and I enjoyed it. Uh, Queen's yeah. a good pick for sure. Any honorable mentions that immediately come to mind? It's just, you know, like yeah. a Bateman injury, a Odell injury. There's just a lot of. Deontay, yeah. Calvin Austin, maybe Calvin Austin may have been, you know, uh, in the mix. It's early, but nice little sleeper, nice little sleeper. Yeah, yeah, a little yeah. Upside play. <laughs> well, I just rolled out the rest of the Steelers secondary immediately. That was easy. Uh, yeah. I did, yeah, I like Cole Holcomb. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would have picked him in this draft. Um, 
nobody else probably I like Leal, but I don't think it would have been for this group. You know, at some point I'd have probably went Jalen Warren. Yeah, probably. Like maybe yeah, by yeah, next yeah. week. Yeah. I'm just a huge fan. I actually really like Najee for what he is. Like he never should have been a first round pick, but if you take all that kind of stuff out, I I just like there's all 22, like watching him at least once a game just toss someone like, yeah, yeah, it's usually in the backfield and he gets a gain of two. So nobody outside of Pittsburgh ever sees it, but like, it's, uh, it's fun to just watch somebody with that kind of physicality. Like you can just tell when he was a kid in the playing in the park, like playing pickup, like he would just like toss guys all day. Like just nobody could tackle him. That kind of a player. He like still thinks he can be that guy in the NFL. And there's flashes where like he can be, that's how strong he is, not how big he is. But so I, I could have gone that direction. I feel like, uh, yeah, but yeah. probably nowhere else with Pittsburgh. I don't think I would have ventured at any other player. Yeah, it got tough. It got tough. No, it really is just on that point. Like, if they had a good offensive line and or a good run scheme, like the Thunder and Lightning potentially, they're about Najee's physicality. I mean, Warren is uh, has the most yards after the catch and the most forced missed tackles on receptions of any running back in the NFL. Like, their skill sets are so different, uh, and, and and they can win a lot of different ways. Again, it's just kind of, you know, not being utilized the best right yeah. now. But but they're both fun yeah. players. Yeah, I love them both, honestly. Um, Clowney, we should probably have, have taken at some yeah. point. I mean, he's having a good year. Just hard for me because, like, he's literally not even on a roster until right before the season usually. So it's just like – um, I just – yeah, I look up every year and he's, like, <laughs> not on a team and doesn't have production. I don't know. It's just he's he's one of the oddest players to evaluate their NFL career that I've probably ever – Absolutely. Never seen it, but yeah. Yeah. All right. Interesting exercise. Nobody picked Pat Ricard. That may come back to haunt us at some point. That could be an L for both of us there. Not taking up him. Uh, we'll be back. We'll, we got a conversation with Kyrie coming up here. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Uh, we talk a lot of Steelers Ravens coming up here after this, but uh, we'll also be back next week to break down the game after it happens. So appreciate y'all. Here's our conversation with Ravens podcast host Kyrie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thompson. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Ravens. I'm Kyrie Thompson, one of your hosts. Our other host, Danny Wilcox. Look, I actually just heard from him today. He is going to be back with us Next week, we're going to get, be getting back into it. I know you've been probably tired of hearing just me talk, and you want to hear the dude who who did it all, you know, won a Super Bowl ring, and uh, you know, brings the fire, brings the hope, brings the passion all week. Well, the dynamic duo is going to be back together. But for now, I got another duo in the house with me right now, John Ledyard and my guy, Brad Spielberger of Mini Conversations of the Past of the Yin Snowball podcast, because you know what week it is. You know what week it is. It's Ravens-Steelers round one of the 2023 season. John, Brad, how y'all doing? Doing well, sir. This is yeah, fun. Good. I'm excited to do this. Yeah, 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 good for sure. Good for sure. I, the weirdest thing before we jump in is that Lamar Jackson hasn't played the Steelers since 2021, which is weird to me. That just popped up. This is like... He hasn't played in this rivalry game in a while. Yeah, and and it's it's that thing of the joke is always that, I mean, I, I was actually on a Steelers podcast earlier this week, and one of the comments was like, I wish the Ratbirds could just stay healthy. Like, that's the joke, is that the Ravens, like, cannot keep their injury report clean no matter how hard they try. Honestly, being a Ravens running back might be the most dangerous occupation in the sport. Not one of those guys can stay healthy long term. And of course, I mean, look, coming into this game, the 
I, I mean, it's it's still Thursday at the time of this recording, but we're still working on getting a couple of guys back here. I mean, you you still want to get your offensive line completely whole. That hasn't been the case for a little while. Had had Sam Muster for filling in for Tyler Linderbaum, uh, who who was back this past week, but then you didn't have you know Ronnie Stanley back. And you still didn't you know, quite have a healthy secondary. Marcus Williams and Marlon Humphrey still working their way back from injury. And then you've had running backs coming up gimpy, though Justin, Justice Hill was back and had an explosive game. But again, still all these names popping up on the injury report. Odell Beckham Jr. has only played one game, really. So we're still, we're still working on getting the, a clean bill of health for the Baltimore Ravens. But okay, I digress a little bit. First, I want to pose some questions to you, my guests who follow the Steelers, watch them all the time. Look, this is this is a a, a two and one team or, or two and two team, I should say right now, two and two team. But it feels dismal over there, especially because of the state of the offense. And I'm over here looking at Matt Canada today, answering some questions about. Oh, wait, did you say your offense couldn't play from behind? And he's just like, come on, man, what are you talking about? So look, what in the hell is going on with this Steelers offense? Give it to me. Well, I think you have an offensive coordinator who hasn't been good for any point in his life, really. And so that's a big part of the problem. Kenny Pickett has struggled as well and has been a big part of the problem. I mean, I think that there are some strengths maybe to build on with him, but the weaknesses right now are not really allowing those things uh, to shine. So he has struggled as well. The offensive line, yeah, there's been a, a few injuries now with James Daniels being out, and it looks like Dan Moore will be out for this game as well. Uh, the Steelers' left tackle, we'll see if Daniels can come back or not. But even at full strength, it's you know average at best and definitely below average in their play for most of this season, at least at a couple of the spots. And so, yeah, you combine those things and you're not going to win very many football games on top of it. Uh, you've got the fact that they've lost Deontay Johnson now to, to injuries. One now Pat Fryer moved her too. So both teams, it seems like the Ravens may be getting a little healthier. Steelers are not at that point yet. Uh, if anything, they're a little more banged up this week. So lots of contributing factors. It definitely starts with Matt Canada, but I don't know, Brad, we've talked about this a good bit, but it feels like until something changes there, I'm not sure what's going to change for the Steelers. Yeah, that's obviously the, probably the biggest issue. But like you said, Kenny Pickett also has not been very good. You know, he's our 31st most accurate quarterback out of 35 qualifiers on throws 10-plus yards downfield. Uh, he's completed less than 50% of passes on those throws uh, throughout the season. It, you know, I mean, they've, they've been dreadful. On, four, on third and fourth down, they're at 50%. Uh, they have the 28th red zone touchdown efficiency this season. And their offensive line, like you touched on, has allowed the fourth most pressures in the NFL. So, it's just been a mess from top to bottom for this offense. And if you go through, you want to look at EPA per play, Kenny Pickett is like 30 out of 32 in terms of quarterback efficiency this year. Um, no bueno. Um, and, and, and look, I think, you know, there were a lot of people that looked at the game winning drives that Kenny Pickett authored last season and thought, you know what, he's going to show everybody he's going to shock the world. Everybody thought that quarterback class wasn't worth anything. And, and I mean, he's going to prove them wrong. And it feels like right now he's not doing a particularly good job of that. And this isn't necessarily going to get easier against a Ravens defense that there are a lot of questions about this team coming into the year. Who's going to play cornerback, especially when Marlon Humphrey gets hurt and their backups have been good. And then who's going to rush the passer for a team that Probably didn't rush the passer well enough last year at all. And Jadevian Clowney is on pace for like 80 pressures. I mean, now it would be great if he turned more of them into sacks because he keeps on sliding off of quarterbacks. Get the, guy on the, get the guy <laughs> yeah. on the ground. But the pressure production is there. And then they get Kyle Van Noy in the mix to take over because Adape Owe has struggled to stay healthy, their best pass rusher. And then Kyle Van Noy slides in. And, and I mean, that it, it's just veteran after veteran, you know, depth piece after depth piece. Everybody is is playing well, and then you have Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen just devouring everyone. Quarterbacks, running backs, does not matter. Yeah, those yeah. might be the best linebacker group in the league right now. I'm PFF, you guys have them that way, don't you, Brad? 
Yep. Yeah, I think Roquan's first and Patrick Queen's up there as well. So there's no question about that. And I'll just real quick, as you mentioned, like I had serious question marks about this defense. I was worried about their corners outside of Marlon Humphrey. Then you lose Marlon Humphrey. And I was worried about their defensive line generating consistent pressure. You know, I know Ojabo's back down again. We haven't seen a whole lot of him. Odafe Owe needs to play better. And I think he did the first couple of weeks of this season. But yeah, I mean, we have Jadavian Clowney with 19 pressures. Man, those late offseason additions at edge rusher, I almost start to wonder if it's why a lot of these guys haven't gotten paid uh, some of the other names, because you, you can find like quality edge production in August. It seems like every year at this point. Yes. And, and I mean, again, you look at the fact that a guy like, like Clowney who has, has never necessarily, he's always been a better run defender than he's been a pass rusher. And in PF grade, PFF grades have borne that out basically his entire career. And so you're looking at it like, okay, he's a good He's a good early down piece for this defense. And it's like, actually, I'm also just going to be really good rushing the passer. For him, I feel like so much of the questions around him specifically have been about health. He looks healthy to me right now. Yeah, I think that yeah. is one of the big things just with the Ravens in general is is what you mentioned at the outset was health. It feels like it's derailed their last couple of seasons. And so keeping those guys, obviously, you need some of the young guys you've drafted, I feel like, to take a step to. I mean, the Ravens have a lot of these young pieces on their defensive line. They've invested something in, in a way, obviously, is probably one of the top ones, Ajabo as well. But those are the guys that they really need to take another step um, to be able to be consistent, you know, not only pressure creators, but can they create consistent production, sack production for them? If they can do that, I feel like they become a really fearsome defense. Even if they don't, though, I mean, just the way they have the perfect defensive coordinator and Mike McDonald to kind of offset a lot of the issues. Like if you don't have one great individual rusher, that's okay because this guy is like the king of sim pressures and he's going to send four, but you don't know which four are coming at any given point. And so he just makes you communicate so much. And that's going to be like a big point of this. If Kenny Pickett does play and it looks like he will already, you're going to maybe have a limited him limited in mobility. And you're also going to have a Steelers offensive line that's banged up. You're also going to have to get good communication up front as you get to the line of scrimmage because who's coming and who's not is going to be a big plot line here. So it really feels like and Steelers Ravens are almost always close, right? No matter what happens, but it feels like we have a kind of a matchup here of maybe at least a top five coach defense in the league right now. One of the best coach defenses in the league against the worst, in my opinion, coached offense like the, that and the bears. <laughs> Sorry guys are, are up there like right now for the worst groups in the league. So it feels like it's just a complete mismatch. And I don't know, like, I know that these games are always close, but it feels like that alone, even we'll talk about the Steelers defense, Ravens offense and that, but that alone, that disparity alone feels just so significant to me that I have a hard time seeing this game being super close. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, you mentioned the sim pressures, Mike McDonald, they're third in the NFL uh, in percent of snaps that where they show a sim pressure. They're also top 10 in blitz rate. They're also top 10 in rotating coverage, pre-snap to post-snap and doing different things to confuse opposing quarterbacks. And I think all of that falling on an injured Kenny Pickett's injured shoulders uh, is not a great recipe for success for that offense. Well, his injured knee as well. And I mean, I think knee, that's yeah, going to, yeah. well, I mean, that's going to be his question about what will he play? I think uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It seems like he's going to. Yeah, he said he will. He talked to the media. Tomlin kind of said, "Yeah, we'll let practice be our guide yesterday," and he practiced and he's practicing today. It's like, so I do you think he's going to play? I don't know whether that's a good thing or. But Mitch Trubisky would be the other option. So that's probably not a good thing either. So, I mean, speaking as as a couple, <laughs> speaking as a couple of Bears fans, uh, I would not would not recommend uh, if if you don't have to. Um, you you mentioned briefly the the Steelers defense versus the Ravens offense and I gotta know I mean the the stats in the past haven't necessarily been the gaudiest with Lamar Jackson versus the Steelers and also mm -hmm. as Brad mentioned Lamar Jackson has not played against the Steelers since 2021 just because of the way his injuries have have fallen out the last couple of years and so you're getting a you're getting Lamar Jackson but in a new offense that is that does present more weapons on the outside than he's ever had, though again, some of them have been hurt. Um, but it also still features his you know dynamism as a runner. Like he's still out there just, just with two touchdowns on the ground, the last couple or four touchdowns on the ground the last two weeks. I mean, he's still good old Lamar Jackson. Oh, but by the way, his control in the pocket looks about as good as it's ever looked. 
I mean, is this Lamar Jackson at the height of his powers? And if it is, are you worried? I'm, I'm terrified. Finished. Go ahead, John. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say I'm terrified. Yeah, I'm always scared of Lamar. Now, the Steelers have played him very well. Like, they probably played him better than anybody consistently in the league, I would say. Tomlin's always had good game plans for him, and it seems like they've really been able to frustrate him. He and Minka have had their battles as well, and Minka's had some of his best games against Baltimore in the past. I think Baltimore's desire to run the football in the past, though, was a big part of that, in my opinion. Like, And my question, I guess, back to you is just, is this a different Ravens team in that like all the success that Tomlin had against Greg Roman teams in the past, and even when they lost, the Ravens usually ran the ball well, win or lose, you know, no matter what happened, they ran the ball decently, but is is that going to be out the window in this matchup because i'm just so curious like with todd monk in there with lamar jackson like what have your observations been i guess in terms of how threatening that is that combination is and what's changed the most for lamar compared to seasons in the past because in the past i would have said i think the steelers can bottle up lamar it doesn't mean i think they're going to win the game given the other limitations i've said but now i'm a little less certain because i just haven't had this big sample size that i've had in the past of knowing what a roman Lamar Jackson combination look like now with Munkin and Lamar, it feels like to me, like that was one of the storylines of the off season is how different is this dynamic going to be? What else is it going to bring to the table? Is it going to open things up for Baltimore in a way it feels like there's just been a lid on them in the past. So I just am curious about what your observations have been so far on that combination. Well, you think about the old Greg Roman offenses where you would have like the full house backfield and, and I mean, like going heavy on the 12 personnel, right? And just multiple tight ends all the time. That was really how you built the offense. And look, Mark Andrews is still out there looking like one of the best tight ends. You, you saw, you saw that touchdown catch he had just, just absolutely dunking. I mean, he got all the way up there, full extension for that. He's still Mark Andrews. He's still what he is. But I think the thing that you're going to notice is you're not necessarily going to see the heavy, heavy personnel all the time anymore. They still want to run the ball, and they still do run the ball. Though, again, the the injuries to the running back room have impacted that a little bit, where I think especially if you had J.K. Dobbins, you had a little bit more more depth, I guess, or like more at the top than – this is probably still going to be maybe not run heavy, but definitely fairly running the ball a lot. But right now, your your leading rushers are like, like Gus Edwards, right? Gus Edwards and Justice Hill are the two best, healthiest running backs on the roster. And then you've got veterans like, um, you know, Kenyon Drake and and Melvin Gordon, kind of coming in, you know, off the practice squad as elevations. One guy that is going to be interesting with this, and he was one of my draft darlings and preseason darlings is Keaton Mitchell. He's just coming off of injured reserve. Um, he practiced in full. He had a shoulder injury that he suffered in, in preseason. He practiced in full on Wednesday. So there is a chance that you're going to see your first bit of him. He is electric. That dude is awesome when he gets into space. But I think in terms of the overall offensive structure, what you're going to see is not so much heavy, but you're going to see more three receiver sets than you've probably ever seen from the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson. Because that, like, I think I saw a stat like in, in week one where it was like they did like three receiver sets like 40 times in week one. And they only did it about 150 times total last mm-hmm. year. So they have definitely made that switch into more of a, a, a spread offense. And one of the cogs that makes it work is Zay Flowers. Because they have shown that they want to get him the ball any which way, smoke screens, end arounds, down the field. I mean, crossing routes, whatever it is. I mean, we're still. I, I mean, I think the production has been about as good as as you would hope for from from a first round rookie. But honestly, I think it can even go up from where it is. Well, the Steelers have a bunch of corners that can't run, so this should be fine, right, Brad? <laughs> Yeah, him against uh, Levi Wallace and Pat Pete will, will be certainly be interesting. I mean, yeah, I, I think I was going to say uh, I just got finished watching the Cleveland film with with Lamar Jackson, and I have not seen him look that confident and comfortable um, in a pocket. And it's also, I think, getting the ball out when there is pressure underneath and letting a guy go to work, and I think he has more faith in that. Also, I think throwing a more accurate ball, allowing his guys to get more yards after the catch. I mean, he's our most accurate charted passer on throws 10-plus yards downfield in the entire NFL um, you know, he, he's been phenomenal. And then you, know, you mentioned the rushing. I mean, he leads the leads all quarterbacks in rushing yards has forced 15 missed tackles on runs, which is seven more than uh, Justin Fields in second with eight. Like he, he's been uh, as much as you could possibly ask him to be. But yeah, just the command of the offense. Uh, I, I mean, getting things set pre snap, 
Patrick Ricard's going to sit in there and chip just like we saw uh, yeah. Houston do last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's going to be in there throwing shoulders into Highsmith and TJ Watt. Um, and it's just like it, it's the fact this is a new offense and a very different offense. You would have never guessed, I think, you know, based on how smooth everything has looked um, and how clean the operation has been, at least from what I saw in, in that game. It's interesting, too. You mentioned that he's your most accurate passer on 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 fields. 10 plus yards or throws 10 plus yards down the field. It's also just behind Josh Allen for the highest completion percentage in the league right now. And that's something that he has gradually improved as his time has, has gone on in the league. It's been, you know, kind of in, in the lower sixties, right? 62, 64%. And right now it looks like he's just got all of the answers. And, and that's the thing that I feel like people never quite gave Lamar Jackson credit for the idea that it's like, oh, yeah, what is he, like a one-read-and-run guy? It's like, no, he can get the ball out fast. You just got to give him the options. And for the longest time, the options were Mark Andrews or bust because you didn't have receivers. Now you do. And, I mean, again, whether it's Zay Flowers or Odell Beckham Jr. when he's back and Rashad Bateman, though Rashad Bateman is struggling with his health right now as well. So that, that's one thing to keep an eye on is what the receiver depth looks like but as it is right now, it looks like Lamar Jackson, nothing is fooling him. He knows exactly what he wants to do with the football on every snap. And he's as hard as ever to get on the ground. What has impressed you the most about Zay Flowers so far? I know people liked him pre-draft, obviously. And some people thought he'd be one of the steals. And statistically, it's been fine like so far. It hasn't been anything. There's been nothing that's been like from the outside if you're not watching the tape that blows you away or whatever. But as somebody who watches him every single week, what has impressed you the most about him? And do you think he can be a guy that functions essentially as a number one option that you can build your passing attack around his skill set? Maybe not this year, but mm -hmm. here's what I'm going to tell you about, about this guy. First of all, he is impossible to like his, his quickness is such that he's so hard, even for experienced corners, to guard him one-on-one -on -one because he is he, he, his, his breaks are sudden and he attacks you full speed every route every stem and he doesn't have to slow down when he makes breaks and then you get the ball in his hands with any kind of space in the open field good luck because he he puts absolutely dirty moves on people i mean the the, the first guy to him rarely ever gets him on the ground and then i think that his route tree Again, I think his route tree is more advanced than I think people expected, perhaps, coming out of Boston College, where I think that it's like, oh, yeah, well, he's he's running like bubble screens or, you know, uh, or he just runs deep or whatever on the on the corner post, which is like his, his favorite route is, is like the, the, you know, the corner post. But even at Boston College, they were getting the ball in his hands every which way possible in every kind of route possible. Now, I think. The other the other intriguing thing about it, too, is that he's not just people thought he was just going to be a slot guy. He is not just a slot guy. He lines up outside plenty. And so I think that eventually he I, I think I think that he just has to develop a little bit more trust with Lamar Jackson. But I think the answer to your question is he's absolutely the kind of player that you can say that's the guy that we want to get the ball to all the time. And I mean, even look at it right now. Right. Odell Beckham Jr. is. I think he's not quite what we're used to Odell Beckham Jr. being, but he's probably 80% mm -hmm. Odell Beckham Jr. when he's healthy. But I think Zay Flowers can be better than that, in or at least at that level in a couple of years or so. Because, again, just the dynamism, and if you go ahead and put a little bit more weight on that frame, he definitely added plenty of muscle uh, you know, coming into the combine and coming into here. But I think that just with the ball in his hands, He's the most dangerous player not named Lamar Jackson on that team. One thing that stuck out to me about watching him, and I've watched like all of his reps because uh, he was a guy that I thought was was awesome coming out. Weird wide receiver class, weird results thus far. I also think they, they've, they've been weaponizing on like half field reads when he's in a bunch or a stack and it's a high-low concept. Um, whether he's the guy who goes on, on a deeper route or stays in, and it's caused conflict for defenders that are you know usually – They'll be over in a bunch. You'll see like a linebacker, a safety in a corner or whatever, depending on if it's like Andrew Zay and I don't know, Nelson Aguilar. And like 
he's he they use him in every single potential usage within that structure and i there was one play where a corner just fell down he ran a like a a deep out and and had a 20-yard gain on a deep out because he was uncovered it was a safety over the top but like i think because those players don't know like what is his responsibility on a down-to-down basis like they're comfortable using him in, in a million different ways like you said and then the scramble drill play that he had with Lamar Jackson, where they, he's already showing that trust. And, and that was actually something that happened in, in week two, where Lamar passed up a deep shot to Zay Flowers at one point, where Zay probably had dude beat for a touchdown. And then he basically goes to, to Lamar, just like, dude, just chuck it. Like, like I'm going to get that ball. And then the next time he does launch it, it's double coverage. It's a tight throw. And Zay Flowers still comes down with it. I think that's one very interesting part of this is the fact that at 5'9", as, as we're going to say that he's 5'9". I mean, he might be 5'8", who knows. But his competitiveness to go up and get contested catches or just find a way to come down with the football, track the ball down the field, is impressive for a guy his size. I mean, because usually you think about you know a small guy like that, a deep threat, you got to separate or that ball is just not getting caught. That's not him. And I mean, I'm not I am not going to put him in that same classification as the guy that I'm going to mention because he's quite possibly the best receiver in the NFL. But Tyreek Hill is a player like that where you underestimate what he can do down the field, aside from the fact that he's just faster than everyone. But he can go up and get a football. He can he can find a way to wrestle it away from you. I mean, I, I saw it last year in week one against the New England Patriots. He goes just steals it from Jack Jones because he climbs the ladder and just takes it away. It's like Zay Flowers, that's the kind of thing that he can also do despite being a little guy out there. It's interesting because Baltimore like had this transformation that I feel like offensively is coming like the perfect time where they also have this emergence of talent at wide receiver and they have like a, a new innovative approach on offense at least. And they're trusting Lamar kind of to, as a passer more this season. Although, I mean, he's still been, like you said, as dynamic with his legs. And so feels like that unit is certainly on the rise and will, should hypothetically get better as long as they're able to stay healthy throughout the season. The player I want to talk about is a guy that I've really liked for a long time and think is underrated is Morgan Moses, the right tackle for Baltimore's having a career season, having an outstanding start to this year. And I just, obviously the matchup coming up is against TJ Watt. No, nobody really blocks TJ Watt one-on-one. They pretty much all throw the house at him and he's going to get chipped. And I know all those things, power card will be working overtime over there. I'm sure on him, but how do you see this matchup? I mean, Morgan Moses against TJ Watt, what kind of players has Moses typically like struggled against or had a lot of success against? And how does Watt fall into that uh, category? Well, it's an interesting question when you ask that because Morgan Moses did not practice on Wednesday uh, with a shoulder injury. So you do not want to have that situation (laughs) if you're the Baltimore Ravens, especially since you've had injury issues on the other side with Ronnie Stanley not being there. So, and and again, I think uh, Patrick McCary has been okay on the left side generally, but he definitely got abused by Miles Garrett when they played a little bit because Mm -hmm. who doesn't get abused by Miles Garrett? But I, I think that, Generally, especially if you're if you're strength on strength, Mo- Morgan Moses is a dog. Like he can more or less handle you. I think that I would be interested to see if if Moses can play. If there if there's anything from a speed or quickness perspective that might get him beat. I think Moses has been playing well, just generally. But I do think that if you put more of a, of a speed rusher against him and and maybe try to neutralize the strength. And, and use creative moves to get him off balance, which I think T.J. Watt's bag is about as deep as any. Um, but I think that's probably the way that I would go at him because he's just a big, strong, aggressive dude out there. You're not necessarily going to get places with Morgan Moses by just trying to bowl him over. Um, again, might not be Morgan Moses out there, though. So as, as a Ravens fan, you gotta you got to hope that he is. That seems like the path to victory for the Steelers is if <laughs> it seems like Ronnie Stanley's coming back this week, or I saw he practiced anyway. Seems he, like it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he, so he did practice. He's a full participant in practice. Yeah. Um, so again, fingers crossed, hope yeah. there are no setbacks. You just never know, uh, especially with the Baltimore Ravens. It, well, that, that's where it gets tough because Pittsburgh, I mean, if there's a strength of this team, it's their defensive line and not just high Smith and Watt, although those two are absolutely a handful. I mean, at Watt, speaks for itself. Highsmith, not 
an unbelievable athlete, but everything is in his bag. Like the bag is so deep for him. He's got inside counters. He knows how to win the edge. He's great at reading a tackle set, adjusting throughout a game. He's going to be one of those pressure Kings, even if he isn't always athletic enough to, to finish the play. I feel like just such an accomplished, well-rounded player. And then you've got Larry Ogunjobi, who is also a good rusher and is contributing. Keanu Benton is improving every single oh, yeah. week. Uh, starting to take over as well. And so there's some depth here. Um, a lot of their players, have uh, the guys up front, have actually played pretty well this season, even when they've been they've had the ball run well against them. A lot of that has been other aspects of the team. They've improved at linebacker this year for sure. I know that hasn't been the storyline so far because nobody notices those things unless those guys are getting pr- production basically. But I, I think that they're, they actually have been a pretty good defensive front this year. It's been really the only clear strength of the team, I think. That's a great first step against Baltimore. You're probably going to need more than that, especially with the state of your offense. But it is the area where if Pittsburgh's going to win the game, it, it almost certainly has to be because they overwhelmed in that area. And so with, with that, let's transition. And we've been talking with the guys from the Yin Snowball podcast, John Ledyard and Brad Spielberger. Let's get into a little bit of lightning round stuff to close it out. Who is your splash play player of the game for this one? Not name Lamar Jackson or Kenny Pickett or whatever quarterback plays. This one's tough. So I'm going to do it from the Pittsburgh perspective, like from the Steelers side. This is something Brad and I have been wanting to incorporate into our into our podcast here and these preview game previews that we do is talking about kind of making a prediction as to who will make the big splash play that week for the team that we cover. So obviously for the Steelers now looking at it that way, I'm going to say Minka Fitzpatrick because he's had a lot of success against Baltimore. He feels like he's due for some splash plays. The play around him has been so bad that I, I kind of feel bad for him. Like everybody else in the secondary is just a complete clown show at this point. And so he's been trying to like get everybody lined up and all this other stuff. And I feel like maybe a breakthrough play uh, is in store for him in some capacity. So I'll say Minka Fitzpatrick for my splash play guy. I'll go with a guy you uh, just mentioned a little bit ago. You know, I think Lamar, we talked about his pocket presence. I think the number one thing I've noticed is his willingness to step up into a clean interior pocket when there's edge pressure. Um, And I think we're going to get a Keanu Benton splash play in this game. You know, maybe they're going to overcorrect and overconcern themselves with Highsmith and Watt, especially if Morgan Moses is out. You know, Kevin Zyler is a good player. I think John Simpson is a good run blocker. He's been a fun guy to pull and do a lot of different things with. But I think you can, uh, you know, attack him as a pass blocker or whoever else. You know, I, don't, I can't even keep track of Ravens injuries at this point. But whoever is playing on the interior for that team, if it's if it's our old friend Sam Mustafer or Tyler Linderbaum or whoever, um, I think Keanu Benton is going to make a big play in this game. Love it. And by the way, do want to give you credit for for uh, actually texting me with, with some of these uh, you know game preview ideas. So that was that was your brainchild. I'm only happy to bring it to this podcast while the two of you are on. I think on my side of things for the Ravens, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Kyle Hamilton, who has done a little bit of everything. He has been on the line of scrimmage as basically another edge rusher. He had three sacks a couple of weeks ago an interception, tackling everybody. And, and so, and, and I, I think that his overall ability, even coming out of Notre Dame, it's like he's, he's an athletic freak who can line up anywhere, do anything, cover anybody. And I think that especially in a game where the, the Steelers might want to try to run the ball a lot in order to take some of the pressure off of Kenny Pickett, you're going to see him down on the line of scrimmage a lot. And then on passing downs, you might see him roaming the middle of the field a little bit and seeing if he can swipe some of these crossers or make some big impact plays. I think that that just generally, I mean, he's, he's managed to make at least one big play in the, in the past couple of weeks. I feel like there might be a swiping of Kenny Pickett in the offing. Mm. I mean, the Steelers have really struggled with that type of player specifically, I feel like, this season. I mean, if you can even go back just any time they've placed somebody like a versatile defensive back who can get in the mix against the run is big issues against the Raiders, whether it was Epps or whoever it was, uh, walked down there in the slot for the Raiders. Um, issues last week as well with the Texans and uh, in, in that role with Petrie and, and making stops in the backfield. So they've struggled to account when they've tried to get an extra – when an extra vendor is added to the box and they're able to play in that role and they're asked because Steelers wide receivers have struggled so much at blocking. Uh, that's been a big factor uh, for why they've struggled in the run game. So keeping him away from the line of scrimmage if you're going to run the football is probably a key, but also being aware of where he is in the secondary 
is going to be critical as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see the Ravens' coverage approach too uh, to the Steelers, given that most teams, it feels like so far, have played a lot of zone against them and had a lot of success doing that. Um, and so I think that that could be a strategy for Baltimore as well as utilizing them in that way. seems like he could make a splash play in that regard. The other thing we were doing was picking a clown play player of the week. And so we go look at our teams that we cover. We say, who's going to make the clown play on Sunday? Then we're going to come back to the podcast later and be like, this guy, not again, come on. Um, And so for me, for the Steelers, Broderick Jones is going to be making his first NFL start. And let me tell you, it looked a little bit rough last week at left tackle when he got into the game. Not that it hasn't looked rough with Dan Moore. It definitely has. But Broderick Jones, I think I could just see a scenario where, and now we'll see who plays for Baltimore on the edge. I could definitely see a scenario where he's put in some tough spots by Baltimore and Mike McDonald, those sim pressures and knowing who to pick up. And his head might just be spinning in his first game. So I think he's going to give up a sack or two maybe and, and, and make some of the clown plays in this game. I had a feeling you might be going that direction. We did talk about um, he got uh, gamed a couple times early on stunts, did seem mm-hmm. in the second half to kind of settle in a little bit and yep. adjust. So, you know, talented player, good athlete. But, yeah, I think you can probably chalk him up for a clown block or two in this game. I'm going the other side of the ball, another one of our favorites. Uh, I think Zay Flowers is going to put uh, Levi Wallace in a blender at some point in this game. <laughs> Zay Flowers has seven missed tackles, four on receptions, top 10 in the NFL so far this year. We talked about it. He's as shifty as they come. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to have, a, he's gonna have Le- Levi Wallace like break an ankle on a, on a sharp cut after a short catch. Uh, that, that's my clown play candidate uh, for this game. Picking Levi Wallace for this category is almost cheating. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. It's, it's like a free square on like the, you know, like a bingo card. <laughs> Love it. Um, I'm actually going to go with a guy who, again, has been pretty good, much better than, than I thought, but has had a little bit of trouble sealing the deal. My guy, Jadevian Clowney. Okay. Because I I've now seen him a couple of times, first of all, blowing a sack in week one on CJ Stroud, where he was completely unblocked and had him dead to rights and just fumbled the bag. And then blowing a tackle against the Colts behind the line of scrimmage, where again, just wrap the guy up. You're right there. You did all the hard work. You chased him down from behind. You defeated a block. Just wrap him up, and he wouldn't do it. I feel like there's going to be a point where I'm just like, dude, Clowney, come on, bro. Use your arms. It's like we're, we're, we are not in college anymore where you just hit the guy and he dies. Like, no, we're in the <laughs> NFL now. Please wrap up. Make a tackle. All right. So to, fin- to finish it out, let's hear about your rookie spotlights. Another one of your ideas for, for your previews. Who are you spotlighting? as a rookie well for the ravens it feels like the only guy would be zay right is not are any other other ravens rookies contributing who else is in one there? one might start contributing oh who keaton mitchell my oh, guy right. from the running back room i think you're going to see your first keaton mitchell carry this week and my goodness i'm so excited you don't even know <laughs> if he scores you should have picked him for your splash play player yeah no i, I mean true but, you know, look, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it slow. I'm going to take it slow with, with my guy right now. But I think you already you you mentioned the guy that I, I wanted to see. And I wanted to see him in a different uniform. If you catch my drift, Keanu Benton. I've heard so many good things and seen so many good things on tape from that guy. And look, I think that the, the Ravens offensive line on the interior has had some had some issues staying healthy. And I mean, again, Linderbaum should be back. Um, but even still, you know, Linderbaum is a young player as well. He's very good, but I mean, it's, it's going to be young on young. So it's going to be a really interesting battle up front and seeing if Benton can disrupt some of the rushing. Cause look, the, the Ravens are going to want to run the football. Like, let's not get it twisted. They got the spread out offense and everything. They're going to want to run the football to start this game. And if they can't, whether it's with Lamar Jackson or whomever, I think Keanu Benton's going to have a big piece of that. Those guys probably played against each other in college. Now that I think about it, yeah, uh, Benton at Wisconsin and Linderbaum at Iowa. They probably mm-hmm. battled uh, before. Let's get it. I am. I say the other guy. I'll just throw Joey Porter Jr.'s name in there as well. Like this could be the week where he finally starts for the Steelers. They could say we've seen enough. Bat Pete, Levi Wallace, one of you is getting sat down. I don't know how they make that choice. Maybe they flip a coin because both have been so bad this season. But Joey Porter Jr. has been really exciting in the few reps we've seen and. Uh, I know the the small. I won't even read the stats because the small. It's a, such a small sample size. But I don't. Is he allowed to catch? I, I doubt think, it. 
And, yeah, he, and he only I mean, plays on passing downs uh, yeah. as well. And so every time he's been thrown at, he's been locked down. He's been in position and stuff. So I just want to see more of it. I'm not predicting that he's going to be like an amazing player as a rookie or anything like that. But at this point, there's basically nothing for the Steelers to lose. And their lack of athleticism in the secondary and speed overall, even when you get to KZ and Keanu Neal, guys that are older and for Neil injuries have just taken away so much of what was once a good athlete and Patrick Pete uh, just age has taken that away and Levi Wallace has never been a good athlete and Shannon Sullivan either so there's just a lot of like it's hard to feel the secondary in today's NFL that has that lack of speed all over the place and just just having a good young athlete in Joey Porter Jr. with size and athleticism like that in and of itself like as long as he isn't a total disaster in terms of playing ball should be an improvement and he seems to be working extremely hard intelligent kid and so I'm just anxious to see more of what that looks like because there's no hope for the Steelers like with the current group in the secondary. There's no like upward trajectory really for this group. So Joey Porter Jr. being a breakout player, somebody else coming off like into this rotation that hasn't played much, maybe even you know not a rookie obviously, but a Desmond King who they picked up and has been learning the defense and could be ready for a bigger role. You know those kind of changes are kind of the only hope they have as a secondary to be above water this season because I don't think it's getting better with the guys that are currently out there. No, definitely not. I'll, I'll go with the uh, the other side of the ball. We mentioned Pat Frymuth not playing in this game, so I think we should see a whole lot more of Darnell Washington. Uh, to this point, he's basically just brought in only on 12 personnel snaps, only to run block, uh, and pretty much has not been asked to do anything else. But he has one um, catch. Is that is it one, oh, one catch? catch. Okay. Yeah. I thought last time we spoke, he had zero. Yeah, he's got oh, one. It was. Yeah, no, I was agreeing with you. It's been really brutal. <laughs> it's been tough. It's been tough. And I think that the idea here is like, let him leak, like like let him hold in and, and sell a block, and then leak out and see if he can get space. Obviously, good linebackers, good safeties, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera in Baltimore, but bring that physicality, get him with a head of steam, uh, bowl some guys over. Let's get some Darnell Washington this week. Indeed. Also, quick news update: looks like Morgan Moses was on the practice field today, um, so we will see if we get that T.J. Watt Morgan Moses battle. Y'all, John Ledyard, Brad Spielberger of the Yin Snowball podcast, breaking down the Steelers. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. And let's see how it turns out. Obviously, I believe in the Ravens, but it'll be a good game, I'm sure. Yeah, excited about it, man. Thanks for having us. This is great. Absolutely. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.